So traditionally, when people are discussing these days, Aser Simei so the choice is really either to talk about things that are benadim lamakim, things uh, that will make us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is Tshuva. Tshuva is really coming back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, benadim lamakim, or you can work on another topic, and that's Ben Adam which means how to deal with interpersonal uh, skills, how to uh, ask people for mechila. We know that it's very important to uh, pick up the phone and make that call. Uh, those people that maybe you wronged or maybe that wronged you, and it's a good time, of course, to clear the air and uh, try to ask uh, mechila and and re-establish good ties and good acquaintances once again. And I think when we think about this process of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, and Kippur, it basically falls into those two uh, categories, Ben Adam L'chaveirah Ben Adam L'amakim. But the truth of the matter is that there's a third category that's often overlooked, and that is called Ben Adam L'atzmeh that a person has to also deal with themselves, which means that it's a whole new world to deal with internal issues that we all have. Everybody has their own things that they're schlepping around, their own issues, their own problems, their own sorrows, their own uh, fears, anxieties, um, and guilt. And part of the process of these days is also to work within the ecosystem of oneself. I once wanted to say that there's three Ramazim, if you look in the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch, of, of Elul. The word Elul we know is famously Rashi Tevas of Anilu That's very famous, that I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. That's a relationship that we have to Hashem. And the Kitzer brings two other Ramazim. One is Ishlarei Ehu Matanis Levyanim, which is a Pasik that we know in Megillus Esther, that there's a mitzvah of Shalachmanis. Ishlarei Ehu Matanis Levyanim is also Rashi Tevas Elul. And then there's another Pasik that he brings, Es Levavcha, Es Zarecha, that a person has to work on his heart and the heart of his children. And I wanted to say, that these three Rashi Tevas really are indicative of what I just said. Anila Daidivadaidili is the work that we have to do between ourselves and Hashem. We have to rectify problems that we may have done, whether it's uh, that we've done Averis bin Adam Lamakim, or that we haven't davened properly, we haven't learned properly, we haven't, uh, we have, we've lost our special relationship with Hashem, and that has to be fixed in this day, in the in these times. That's one din of Elul. That's one concept of Elul. There's another concept of Elul, and when I say Elul, I mean it in a broader sense, including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and the days that we find ourselves in, and that is that 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 importance of sending gifts uh, to one another and that 
endearing nature that Purim affords us through shalachmanis and through sending, you know, special packages to one another, that's sort of what we should also be doing now. We should be sending gifts of mechila and asking mechila and, uh, you know, like I said before, picking up the phone, which is a very hard thing to do, and uh, asking forgiveness or offering uh, to make amends over problems that we've developed over the year or over maybe many, many years. And that's another process of Elul, and that's another wonderful gift that Hashem gives us uh, the opportunity to do during this time of year. But lastly, and perhaps in a way most importantly, is Es Levav Zarecha, and that means that a person has to try to work internally to try to uh, fix up his heart and her heart and make sure that whatever vestiges of um, impurity that we might have within, or all the things that plague us internally that maybe nobody in the world knows about except for us, we have to work on that a little bit and try to restore ourselves to where we properly should be. So tshuva means to return, but it means to return to a lot of different things. It means to return to Hashem, it also means to return to our friends, to our family that we've been estranged from for maybe quite a while. And it also means to return to oneself, to spend time with oneself. And it's very hard to spend time with oneself because things are very busy and we have a lot of uh, responsibilities and we have work and we have cooking and shopping and, and everything else. So it's a very difficult uh, thing to do to find time to spend. We can't find time to spend with our spouses sometimes, with our family members. So, you know, it's really hard to spend time with ourselves. But this is something that is also part of tshuva to come back to oneself and to come back to one's core and to realize that I have to right certain internal wrongs that I have been allowing all too long to fester. There is a remarkable quote from Rabbeinu Bechaye, and he says as follows, just a short quote, Da es nafshecha, vi teda es Know yourself. First you have to know yourself, and after you get a little bit of understanding of yourself, now and only then would you be able to understand Hashem. You can't expect to, add, to understand Hashem if you don't first understand yourself to a certain degree. It's like, you know, the, the famous but very true adage when it comes to uh, dating and marriage that if a person doesn't love themselves, it's very hard to love somebody else. One of the fundamentals of dating and marriage is you have to have a certain liking and understanding of oneself and be comfortable to a certain degree in your own skin, and then you could extend that love that you have internally to somebody else. But if you yourself don't really like yourself and you don't understand yourself, so it makes it all that much... It's not impossible, I guess, to be married, but it's it makes it very difficult to, uh, to be expected to have a functional relationship with somebody else and, uh, you know, and express love and understanding and caring for somebody else when you don't really have those in your own possession, in your own arsenal. So how would you be able to extend to somebody else what you really are lacking internally? 
And so the Rabbeinu B'chayi says that a person has to really first get to know themselves, and then after they know themselves, now they can begin to explore their relationship with others and, and even with Hashem. Now what does this mean? It sounds very good. You have to get to know yourself, and you have to explore yourself. That sounds sounds like a, you know, very, very... Uh, you know, lofty words, but what does it mean? I'm a, I'm a practical person. I like to know practically, what do you do? Hands-on, what do you do? And I think what it means that you have to know yourself means that you have to know what is your uniqueness? Who are you? Or who am I? Why did Hashem put me here? What was my purpose in Hashem creating me. We all, I think, probably have heard uh, the quote from Rav Nachman of Breslov that a person, suppose, I, I've never found this, uh, actually, it's attributed to him in a lot of different sources, but I never actually found a reliable source for it, but supposedly he said that on a person's birthday, a person on the day that he was born was the day that Hashem decided that the world could not exist anymore without him or without her. I'm used to speaking to Yeshua Bachram, so excuse the gender. But the what does that mean? It means that Hashem did not make me before the day that I was born. You know why Hashem didn't make me the day before I was born? Because I didn't have a purpose to be created then. Hashem made me on the exact day of my birthday, whenever that day is, I'm not going to tell you my age, but whenever that birthday is, that is the day that Hashem decided that I had to come into this world. Because I, as all of you, have a very specific mission in life. There is something unique about every single one of us. Every single one of us has a, a divine mission, a purpose, something that only you have that no one else in the universe has. They might have similar things, but no one has your exact nigan, your exact nusach. Everything that you have is very, very unique, and that's the way it should be. A person should not be a one-size-fits-all type of person and just go with a herd mentality and follow blindly, you know, just because your friends are doing things. A person has to know who they are, what they are supposed to be doing, what's expected of them. And I think that's really the Aleph base of what we're talking about here tonight, that Ben Adam La'atzma means that you have to understand yourself. You have to understand your milas, what are your special talents, what are your gifts, what are your, um, what's your acumen, what's your skill set, what makes you special, what are the midas that you are very proud that you possess and that you've worked on, perhaps? A person also has to understand their faults and what they have to fix. Some, some of us, you know, have, unfortunately, uh, anger issues. Some people have, uh, have uh, issues of, uh, of gaiva or of the opposite, which is probably worse, and that's low self-esteem, something also that's uh, very, very uh, poisonous, uh, thing to have, but we all have our share of of talents, skills, positives, and then we have our negatives. And when a person understands all of those, what's ever in their toolbox, 
good and bad, then a person can begin to understand their purpose in life and what they want to do with their lives. What are they supposed to be doing with their lives? It doesn't always have to be something very dramatic. It doesn't have to be that, you know, we're all uh, aspiring to be Sarah Schneer or, uh, you know, or Rabbits and David or uh, wherever else your, your heroes may be. It could be just, you know, that I want to be the best wife that I could be. I want to be the best mother that I could be. I, I want to be uh, an honest person. I want to be a, a truthful person. I want to be real. I want to, I want to establish really good friendships. Whatever you feel your contribution is, even if it's not, you know, something that will make it to the cover of a, you know, Mishpacha magazine or whatever, doesn't have to. That's not necessarily each of our purposes in life. Our purpose in life is whatever Hashem has given us. And with our struggles and with our challenges and with our frustrations come the ability to overcome those challenges. And that's itself an act of great heroics to be able to you know, to really deal with one's issues successfully is itself something that is, uh, is of great, great value to ourselves and, of course, to Hashem. I remember, you know, this, uh, this past Arab Shabbos uh, was my father, Al-Vishalem's ninth yard site. And I was very close to my father. He was a very very, very profound role model in my life. And not a day goes by that I don't miss him you know, very, very deeply. And when he was sick at the end of his life, he was in, uh, in a hospital in uh, Manhasset. It's called St. Francis Hospital. And it's, you know, it has a very, you know, some, it's, 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 it's a good hospital. And um, he had doctors that we were comfortable with, so that's where he was, and he ultimately was nifter in that hospital, unfortunately, uh, you know, two days after Rosh Hashanah, but one, you know, when you're in a hospital, you get to spend a lot of time, unfortunately, in the waiting room, waiting to be called in after surgeries and procedures, etc., and I, I remember that there was a woman sitting in the waiting room of St. Francis Hospital, And then another woman came in, two complete strange women that I thought were strangers to each other. And then they started talking, and all of a sudden they realized that they knew each other. Um, Where where did they know each other from? One was a, um, one was a, uh, like a, uh, a woman that worked in one of the uh, shops in Manhasset. Manhasset has like, it's called the Miracle Mile, I think. Has very like upscale shopping in, in Manhasset. And in one of the stores, a dress store, I think it was, yeah, it was. So there was a woman that was sitting there, wait, you know, who's, who had a loved one that was undergoing their own procedure. Um, so she was there. And then a woman that used to shop in her store was also sitting there waiting for whatever she was waiting for. So. I remember the following conversation, you know, I, I put down my uh, safe or whatever it was I was reading, and I was in, officially eavesdropping at this point, because it seemed like a very interesting, uh, you know, conver- encounter that they were having. And she said, you know, I haven't seen you in my store for a long time. She says, yeah, you know, I didn't really enjoy the experience of shopping in your store. So she said, well, why not? So she said, because whenever I had put on a dress... 
in your store. So not you, but a different sales lady would come over and say, say, oh my gosh, it's you. You know, that the dress is like, it's you. That it's it. She said, and I, I got upset by that because she said, you're telling me that it's me? Even I don't know who I am and you're telling me it's you? And I walked away from that like with a with like a, a, a light bulb moment that that woman was very, very wise. I don't know if she meant to be wise, but she was very wise because it's already a madriga to for a person to understand that they don't really know themselves. And it's funny when people do say about you know, they say about you, you know, it's you, it's, uh, you know, this looks good on you, this is how you are, this is how you... Don't tell me how I am. I don't know who I am. It's a lifetime of work to try to figure out who I am. Because a human being is very complex, and it's very hard for a person to know who they are and what their mission is in life. It's not an easy thing. I spend a better part of my day trying to walk them through the process of like what to do career-wise because who knows what to do unless you know you knew from you know from birth that you wanted to be a doctor because your your father was a doctor your mother was a doctor or you know a lawyer or whatever most people have no clue what they want to be and most people have no clue about what their purpose is in life and what makes them unique and that is a, that's a very big struggle. And great Gedalim, great Sadikim spent many, many years, and again, we don't have many years, unfortunately, to do this, but people like the Altar of Navardik, one of the great Musar leaders of his time, one of the three primary Talmidim of, of the great Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, he spent nine years, nine years in a hut, in absolute seclusion, they, I don't know, they put food underneath his door, I guess, they matzahs, I guess, is the only thing that would slip under the door. And that's what he ate for nine years. And what was he doing in this hut alone for nine years? He was working on himself. He was trying to figure out all of his milus, all of his chisreinus, all of his potential. What am I supposed to be doing in this life? It's a very, very arduous task to understand oneself. It's the most... It's the most overlooked because everyone's focused in this day, you know, okay, who should I call? Who's on my list of people I have to call before Hashanah, to call before Yom Kippur? Are you Michael, are you Michael, you know, before davening on Erev, uh, Erev Yom Kippur? Well, I'm trying to say Tefillah Zaka, I get Andre, Talmidim coming over, Rabbi Michael, Rabbi Michael, you know, and it's it's fine. That's, that's, that's what they're supposed to be doing. But... We're busy with that. We're busy, you know, clapping al chaits and, and, and davening and slichas and, and machzairim and all that's also very important. But how many people actually spend time alone to figure out and ask themselves, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I fulfilling what I'm supposed to be doing? How was this past year? Did I do you know, good, did I do uh, what I was supposed to, do I feel like I, I furthered my mission, my God-given mission in life, or did I maybe have a big setback? All of these things are things that a person has to deal with. Just, it's interesting that when the Alter of Navardic left, I think if I would leave solitary confinement after nine years, I would just, 
you know, check myself into an insane asylum. You know, being alone with yourself for nine years is, uh, is not an easy thing to do. The altar for Navardic went out of this hut after nine years, and he established the Navardic yeshiva network. It wasn't just one yeshiva Navardic. There were 80 separate yeshivas that he started. One man went and built not eight, not 18, but 80 yeshivas. That's, that's a lot of yeshivas to build. All of that was able to happen after he figured himself out. He understood that he had tremendous potential. He understood his, his great, great gifts that Hashem gave him, and he had amazing gifts. I imagine that he also worked on certain fears that he had, certain anxieties to, to break forth and to do such an ambitious project, like we all have our, our demons that set us back when we want to do something big. But he was able, after working on himself internally for so long, he was now able to launch his potential, and he did that in spades. He did that in an amazing way. The other personality which also comes to mind about working on oneself is, of course, the great Kutzker. The Kutzker Rebbe was somebody who uh, also, very, very similar to the altar, was very into working on, on himself. He was into the absolute truth. He did not accept any imitations of truth, any half-truths. It was, if it wasn't true, then he completely rejected it, and he was quite you know, strong and very severe against people that he felt were not speaking or acting in a truthful way. He went and secluded himself for 20 years and also working on himself. He he didn't really come out of that. I believe he sort of, you know, passed away after 20 years of seclusion. But he was intent on working on himself. Again, these are very extreme cases. It's not something you should try at home. But I'm trying to illustrate the importance, at least, of, of working a little bit on ourselves, a little bit, and how important that is. It's a fascinating thing that when a person, let's say, let's say you're, you're, you, you drive a car, assuming that you drive, and you go into a car... What's the first thing that you do after turning on the ignition? The first thing that I think most of us do is either turn on the radio, maybe turn on a, a shear, or turn on music. But there always has to be something going on in the car. And the reason for that is because, truth be told, we're scared to spend time alone with ourselves. We could spend time with other people. We could daven to Hashem, that's good. And we can listen to people on the radio, whether it's news, talk radio, shiurim, music. But we have to be preoccupied because to sit alone with ourselves is scary. To have a conversation with oneself is something that people are very, very averse to because they, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to have that conversation with myself. Rav Hutner used to tell Talmidim, if you would see a Talmud 
at a wedding or on a bus or a, on an airplane. And of course, if you're a good yeshiva bachi, you're carrying around the safer and you're always learning, you're always opening a safer. He says, why are you opening a safer? Can't you just sit and think? Sometimes it's, it's very important to open up svarim also at the right time. But sometimes, you know, you're riding in a bus, you're riding in a, in a, in a, in a taxi, you're on an airplane. You don't have to sit and learn all the time. It's, there are times that it's important also to sit with yourself and to think and discuss things with yourself or write things on a napkin. I remember, you know, I remember years ago on a, I was sitting on an airplane. I, had, we were, I was flying to Eretz Israel and, you know, they served the drinks on an, and then a napkin so I pulled out my pen, and I wrote on, on that napkin, if I was writing a, a series of books for Artscroll, like what would be the topics and what would be the titles of those books that I would write? And I started, hmm, great Jewish letters. All right, what about great Jewish uh, speeches, great Jewish photographs, great Jewish... And I, I made a whole list on this little throwaway napkin, and... I don't have that, that, that napkin anymore, unfortunately. It was sent to the Smithsonian, and you know they're keeping it for me. But um, I'm joking. I don't know what happened to that napkin. But I, I think that most of those books, if not more, I ended up writing because I made a little plan for myself on a napkin. And, you know, instead of just, uh, you know, going to sleep or... Uh, you know, or listening to a song or whatever. I said, you know what, I have time. Let me, why don't I dream a little bit? Why don't I think about what my potential might be? And that's what a person should be doing all the time. Consistently spend time with yourself. This is something, it's your life. You have the right to spend time with yourself. You can have a cup of coffee and just think. You're allowed to, you know, just before you go to sleep at night, you know, as you're lying in bed, just, uh, you know, just think about how things are going. How was the day? How was your relationships with other people? Is there anyone that you could put? What about yourself? How am I doing? Was I, am I happy? How could I become happier? How could I improve my midas? Maybe uh, I could do this, that, or the other thing, you know, to, to be a, a better person and to improve myself. And, all of that is a very important part of being a human being. You can go through, Rav Hutner used to say a person could spend his entire life with somebody and not know that person. And then he added, and that person could even be yourself. A person could spend 70, 80, 90, 120 years and never actually know that person. It's a scary thought. I mean, do we really know it ourselves? We know other people. We're spending a lot of time devoting on our on our spouses, on our parents, on our children, on our but do we know ourselves? And to know yourself is a very important part of being alive, being a human being, being a good Jew. And it's especially appropriate this time of year to think about these types of things. So just to give us a little bit of a, of um, something from davening in Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah we say that everything gets judged. Maisa ish ufakudasai. The actions of man 
all of people's deeds, whatever we did throughout the whole last year and throughout our whole life, is passed before Hashem. That's Masa Ish Ufekudasai. Ufekudasai means, and that person's mission. Sir Abshraga Mendelovitz, who was one of the founders of American Jewry, um, he says that what that means is that Hashem doesn't just judge us on our deeds, what we did the whole year, and were we good, were we bad, were we him? Hashem judges us on our deeds, and how do our deeds, how do what we did last year or in our whole life, how does that align with the specific mission that we have had or that we were given? And Hashem wants to know, and He's going to ask us at the end of our life, not only, you know, were we good or were we bad, were we tzaddikim, were we Hashem, were we benanim, but did you do what you were supposed to with your specific life? The beginning of the Mesosi Sharim starts off that a person has to know, what is their obligation, not in the world, but in his world? What is what a person must know? This is he said, the absolute fundamental that a person has to know as a in the instructional ma- instruction manual of life is what is my obligation in my world? Not what is my obligation in your world, or what is my obligation in the world at large. Every single person has their own unique obligations. And what's true for me is not true for you, is not true for for the next person. And we have to try to figure that out. That's a very important thing about our life, and specifically Rosh Hashanah Kippur time, to try to work a little bit. Obviously, listen, we don't have Nevi'im. We don't have, uh, you know, we weren't born... Um, with a little uh, fortune cookie uh, insert, you know, telling us, you know, what we're supposed to be professionally or what our mission in life is. We have to sort of try to figure that out on our own. And that's really what we're talking about. How do I figure that out? Process of elimination. I know what I, I certainly know what I can't be because I don't have certain, you know, gifts that other people might. So if like, let's say I'm horrible in math, probably not going to make a very good actuary or I'm not going to make a good accountant. This is, by the way, something the Chayvah Salvavah speaks about very specifically. If I, uh, But yet again, if let's say I am good in math, I would maybe be a good accountant. That's, these are good ways of choosing careers. What, what, what speaks to me? What do I, what do I want to do? You know, what, what's, my, uh, what, what's my ambitions and what do I feel uh, I, I would make me happy and would make me successful? Some people, you know, are, uh, you know, would make great lawyers, some people would make great architects, some people would make great Tamidah uh, Chamim, Rosh Hashivas, Mashkichim, third grade Rabbeim, Morris, principals in high schools, principals in elementary schools, or, uh, you know, or, or speech therapists, whatever. Everybody has their own things professionally, and also everybody has their own very unique uh, gifts that they have to work on and and, and try to bring out their fullest potential on every front. One of my favorite stories, I think I just said it recently, is uh, there was a, a very well-known Rebbitson. She was Nifter, uh, I, would, I don't know, over 10 years ago. 
So I don't even know how many of you even heard her name, but her name was Rebetzin Zahava Bronstein. She was a legendary mechaneches. Uh, she was... Uh, uh, her husband, you know, is the manal of the high school of Chaim Berlin, a very chash of a person, and um, and she uh, and she was a principal in a Sephardic Beis Yaakov in Brooklyn on on Coney Island Avenue, a very very big Beis Yaakov, and she was a role model to many. I mean, my wife is uh, you know was she didn't study under her, but she was a very big you know, fan of hers, if you can use that word. And, you know, everybody admired her greatly. She was very put together and very, uh, you know, brilliant and, and, and really caring and a, a great, like, all-around uh, role model for, for women. And they asked her once, like, what do you, uh, like, you know, what would be your last day on Earth? Like, what would, what would you want to be doing? If it was, if today was your last day, you know, people always ask like these these types of questions. Well, you know, some people might say, you know, they would just want to daven all day, or they would want to, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, go bungee jumping or something, you know, do do something extreme. She said that what she would want to do is whatever she does every day, whatever she takes pride in doing every day, that's what she would want to do on the last day of her life. She says, ideally, I would, if I could picture what I would be doing on the last day of my life, it would be, I would have a, I would be cooking a pot of vegetable soup on the, on the stove and playing with my grandchildren in the living room floor, playing blocks or whatever, and, which is incredible just on a different note because you know, here she was, this woman that was so accomplished. You know, she was a very well-known personality. She, like, basically, you know, was on the top of her career and, and very, very famous and very, uh, you know, extremely uh, well-respected. And she felt that this was really her mission in life, was really her role as, as a mother, as a wife, as a grandmother. But the interesting thing is that a, a Talmidah went and who had heard her say that, she went and she visited her, like, at her home on one of the last days of her life. Like, she got very sick, she had Yana Machlan, and she, she died of that. But on one of the last days of her life, I don't know if it was the last day, and guess what, she came in to visit her, there was a pot of soup on the, on the stove, and she was sitting on the floor with her last strength, playing with her grandchildren, singing with her grandchildren, making them happy. To me, that's a very successful person. When I speak about like missions in life, it seems like we all have to like, you know, be who knows what, like like be one of these great movers and shakers. But even the great movers and shakers understand that that's not really necessarily who their essence is and what their truest mission is. The truest mission of a person is what they feel is their mission. You can have multiple missions, but but what is closest to your heart? And, and the things that are closest to your heart should be the things that you're developing and committing yourself to and recommitting yourself to during these all-important last days before Yom Kippur. Those of us that are married should step back a little bit and appreciate the fact that we are married, how wonderful our spouses are, 
not looking always to criticize them, but to build them and to make them feel important and good and special. And then that will be no doubt reciprocated by them to you. Those of us that are blessed to have children have to start, you know, prioritizing them and and making them our A number one thing to do on our list and helping them and giving them every day the proper amount of attention and hugs and kisses and emotions and 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 appreciating them and making them know that we appreciate them. This is all part of knowing oneself. It's it's redefining the mission, redefining who we are and what's important. Appreciating Hashem for everything that he does for us and not taking anything for granted because we know that you know you can't take anything for granted and that what's um you know what we have today is very often tomorrow something that we only could dream about having so to make sure that the people that we have in our lives and hakrishparhu is always you know on our at the front of at the forefront of our lives and thanking him with all of our heart for everything that we have and not not looking away from his kindness and his goodness and try to live a life that's worth living trying to make our life less about materialistic pursuits which is uh mostly a, a big waste of time and money and and resources and try to recommit ourselves to towards the things that are truly important in life and that is Hashem, Tyra, family, friendships and ourselves making sure that we're happy and we're doing well and we're in a good place and uh and that we feel comfortable being who we are and we're happy with our mission and we are satisfied with the progress that we're making towards the great mission that we have and with that i want to wish each and every one of you a gemar chasimataiva a wonderful new year, healthy, happy, successful, uh, full of all of the many tefillahs that you each have. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give us the ability to only share in simchas together. And I'd like to thank you all once again for listening to these words.